Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so this is our um, podcast slash, I don't know, we just wanted an excuse to get together and talk about the new moon and Uranus going into Taurus. I was like, I have to talk to my Taurus since Uranus is about to go into Taurus. Yes. And it's a 333 portal. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you think about that? going to be really interesting because I mean three obviously is the number of crossroads it's the number of the empress card so mm-hmm. this is very like venus creativity I mean and also with venus like in the first like now it's all just to be about like your true form your true self yeah so it's a really really important portal I mean especially after like you know we're getting to like the end of the winter and yeah it's time to really just sort of like step into that after the sort of like hibernation, kind of like inner work, all of that sort of stepping out and being like, okay, like now I get to like step into this empress, you know, energy where this growth is coming up and I can feel and see my own progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I think um, the interesting moon Venus conjunction happening today after Venus, you know, she's become a morning star and this is the fourth conjunction that she's made to, the moon's made to Venus since she went direct as the morning star. So, you know, it's like those gates we were working with in the P7 over the summer. Was it summer? No, fall. We had Venus retrograde. I'd say I told you I have no sense of season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we're in the fourth gate or the the fourth portal, fourth chakra, Mm -hmm. the heart. And... So I feel like there's a lot of heart opening going on right now, especially with Pisces being the sign of unconditional love and Mercury retrograde is stationing at the same degree that Chiron was just at. So like there's this kind of like deep healing happening with that Pisces archetype, that suffering victim kind of hangman archetype. And the new moon is with Neptune, the hangman too. And we're also in the hangman year besides the Empress. The right. Year. 12 year, 12, 13, right? Yep. So it's weird. It's like kind of like, maybe that's something we could talk about because I think one of the things that's being asked of us is how do we find the deep creativity while being in that hangman space of the unknown? If Neptune is the higher octave of Venus, it's kind of interesting that they're co-creating this numerology year. Mm -hmm. So if, if Neptune is, the higher octave of Venus, and it's all about surrender and the unknown. It feels like that because you and I were just talking before we started recording about how we're like, I don't know what's coming. It's hard, so hard to see what's just ahead of us. Right. And I mean, it's also like a little bit about like succumbing to like to the unknown, you know? And it's like in Pisces, like time, like you're just sort of like, okay, like I'm waiting in this water and I'm just going to sort of use my intuition to like, yeah to step and I'm going to sort of feel everything out a little bit and just be like, okay, like we're good. We're good. We're good. Um, this yeah. right now, you know, like I just wrote this blog entry where I was like, okay, you know, during winter months, I tend to get a little bit depressed unless I'm traveling a lot or doing something. And so it's like finding that inspiration during those times too. So for me, it's like colors, where can I get the most color? You know, like, yeah. let me dive deep into this and let me look at patterns and let me look at all of this stuff. And I think it's very much that time where it's like, okay, well, what is inspiring? You know, even if you're not feeling inspired, 
what can we do to feel inspired? What can we do to kind of like break out of that, you know, kind of slumber unknown territory? Yeah, exactly. Right. I know it really feels like, um, we need color. We need, we're really craving. It's like when you get to the dead of winter, when right before the equinox, it's like you're craving so much like light and inspiration. I mean, look, I just painted, I never paint my nails purple. I was like, I need bright purple. Like looks like a grape Jolly Rancher color. Red, but then I was working and they all (laughs) chipped. (laughs) I didn't know they were chipped. I loved it. I love red. I love the red with the yellow color. Yeah. Like the gold and the that's a good combo. Um, but yeah, so I feel like Venus is a really dominant archetype, archetypal force this year. Um, and that we need the creative because the first two months of the year, people were saying, Well, I can't remember, I think maybe you were saying this when we talked, I can't remember. Did you say that like the first two months are kind of like the trial we haven't really completely settled into 2000 yeah. yet? I mean, I, I, I think I put it into terms of the first two months are the hangover of the last year. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like the emotional hangover. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's how it feels. It's like the emotional hangover. It totally yeah, feels like it's like you're still sort of sorting through that. Like you're super excited that you're in this new year, but at the same time, it's like, okay, like trying to kind of like get through this and nurse yourself into the next thing. And then I, I always feel like right around March, all of a sudden it starts to pick up and you're like, okay, now I can feel this energy. But like before that, you're just like, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> exactly. I know, right? That, that, is, that was kind of the mantra of January, late January into February. Actually, January, all of January into early February until the 18th. Until Chiron left Pisces, that's like what I was, I think that was my daily mantra. I was like, wait, now what? It does feel, it, I mean, I love Pisces season, so I feel like ever since the sun went into Pisces on the 18th, I feel a lift, you know? I feel yeah. like the glamour is back, the inspiration is back. Absolutely. And it can feel spring is coming, so it does feel like things are turning around, which is exciting. And um, I'm so excited that we're going to Marrakesh to really, you know, celebrate the Venus. Absolutely. And um, work, really work with it, because that place is so Venus, like the setting. I mean, there's rose petals everywhere. Like everything's a ritual. I mean, even the, the breakfasts are really long and elaborate with rose petals on the table. And, you know, we're in the garden with birds singing. It's so beautiful. Right. They always bring out this really beautiful, like they make everything like a ritual with the tea and everything's so presented so beautifully. And you're just around that, like with the call to prayer in the background. And like I said, I love the birds, obviously I keep talking about the birds, um, but just all of the, the senses, like you hear it, you hear it, feel it, smell it, like all five senses with Taurus, you know, right. the Taurus right. energy. And, and I mean, that can be so healing and uplifting in itself, you know, just being in a beautiful space. Yeah. So many times where you hear people that have gone through really horrible ordeals and, you know, someone will ask them, like, well, what got you through it? And they were like, well, I was thinking of beauty. Yeah. I was thinking of this happiness. And I think people downplay love and beauty so much, but it's such an essential part of, like, what we need in order to feel fed. Yeah. Who said beauty will save the world? Yeah. I don't remember who said that, but... Um, I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't think so. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just <laughs> read probably somebody misquoted him on a meme or something. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I keep seeing that a lot lately, though. Somebody's quoting that a lot. I keep that. I keep coming across that quote: "Beauty will save the world," and it's true. Right. I think more than anything, with Uranus going into Taurus, as I always think of the Uranus ingress since it had been in Aries since 2010. It's a big shift. That when it's go now that it's going into Taurus, that the focus is really going to be around the Venus archetype because Venus rules Taurus. So yeah, beauty and listening, like deep listening and really taking good care of our bodies. And um, I was, it's funny, I was talking to Stephanie earlier. We did, we did a podcast about the, astro just, just about the astrology, but we were talking about how that ingress of Uranus and Taurus is probably going to be this rupture with the like focus on trying to medicate everything like, like all these the big pharma right thing and like trying to go back to the earth and plant medicine and you know more preventative like just keeping all of the fake chemical stuff out of our bodies and out of our lives you know i'll never forget like when alma years ago was telling us um if you want to prevent cancer like number one stop cleaning your houses with these chemical like right. you're breathing that in every day well, i just like bleach the tub <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm like whoops i know that it's but she when she said it it was really revolutionary because that was like i think she said that i remember hearing that like 10 years ago or more and now i mean that's before i started using natural cleaners i was like what is she talking about right because that's what we grew up with thinking is right. normal. yeah and i mean I, there's so many things that have been coming up. It, it's funny because I watch a lot of, you know, documentaries and things like that when I'm working and it just keeps my mind going while I'm like painting. Um, but, you know, I watched this whole thing on Teflon and how, you know, we have Teflon chemicals in our blood. And, you know, and so they had to do this research where they had to go to like other countries in order to like small places to find people that did not have this chemical in their blood because it had gotten in everyone's blood from like cooking and the water supply and all of this stuff. And it was so scary to me. And I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this. Like I'm trying to keep, you know, like my vibes up and here I am like, yeah. go down. Like, <laughs> I know, but like how many things that we think are normal that have been poisoning us. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that I started to do last, was it last year, I think, um, was that, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to cook all my food from scratch. Yeah, that's great. Because that way I know every single thing that's going into my body. And if I overconsume sugar, it's my own fault, you know, like it's, right, right. That's my, but, yeah. um, you know, and then just sort of focusing on tea or like, if you drink coffee, then like fair trade coffee and sort of looking at where everything is coming from and, you know, the way that we wash our faces, like look at all those chemicals that we're putting on it, makeup, all of that. And, you know, every year there's some sort of study about something coming out. So I think we really, really, really are being called to kind of like get back down to the basics and be like, okay, you ingest these herbs, you cook this food. These are the things, you know, that, that you need to do to keep yourself young and vibrant. And also, you know, just fully embracing beauty. And I think that it's one of the things, I mean, people are always like, oh, you look so young. And I'm like, 
I think it's just because I, I act like I'm five all the time. <laughs> that's, my, that's my beauty secret. You know, like, ride a bicycle. It's great. Like, yeah, you know. But it's like, What's your beauty secret? Regression. Regression. <laughs> but, I mean, that's part of it is just sort of being allowed to appreciate these simple things and also just getting back to, like, the beauty in, in nature and how it can help us. Yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah. Getting back to nature, getting back to the essence, like <clears throat> that's one of the reasons why it's good for me to go. I think one of the reasons I started going to Marrakesh, like since 2000, I've been going there since 2003 to this, this place, to this Riyadh, because it's like, it's one of the reasons I go to India too, because it feels like going back into time and space yeah. where, where you live, you know, just it's a different way of living like when you wake up to the call of prayer or to birds or to you know you go to bed with the sunset and the sun I mean people that live in the country obviously any place can have a, a that relationship with nature so it's not unique to like being in an exotic place but for some reason like there is a timeless quality of ritual that gets lost in a lot of modern cultures which like how like you know having like really long tea breaks like with the Moroccan mint tea for instance like that that's we're missing that you know like everything's like we're we're such a to-go Starbucks culture we don't sit down and have like these elaborate um soulful right times that are you know now in our culture it's like we're like oh let's do ritual like it's this whole thing now that you Instagram instead of it being like just embedded I feel like with tourists, it's about embedding it in the, the day, in your natural day or like how you're, I love that you're, I can already see how the Uranus and Taurus is working on you um, to bring back, like you're getting so much in touch with all of that. Like, you know, your beauty rituals are much more rich. They're like very connected to how you do magic now, or your cooking is like how you do magic. Like it's not separate. And even my art, like all of that, yeah. like I was thinking about it the other day, I was like, my magic is my art. My art is my magic. Yes. My cooking is my magic. Like yes. all of the, and my cooking is my art. And I love that. And my house is my magic and it's my, my art. And I was yeah. like, you can live this life where, you know, of course there's going to be mundane stuff. Like we can't hide yeah, from yeah. that. Yeah. Take the trash out. Yeah. Right. But you know, there's so much of this where, you know, like, we need to just sort of be like, okay, like, where is the ritual in my life? And like, how can I, you know, kind of tap Rit into this? Ritualize everything. I know. I agree. And um, yeah, like, it's funny because having, maybe that's one of the reasons you and I both had to leave New York City because in New York, we would eat out all the time because that's the culture and it's just easier. And since yeah. I live in San Francisco, I mostly eat at home too. I rarely eat out. So I have to cook everything. It's taught me, it's forced me to learn how to cook and try to like incorporate. Now I'm obsessed with herbs and like I never understood herbs. And now it's all about the herbs in my cooking. Absolutely. It's magical. And then chanting mantras into my food and like realizing like, and now when I eat out, it's hard because I am really sensitive to the energy that went into the food that I'm eating. Right. Which I remember seeing like water for chocolate years ago and being like, yeah, I totally believe in that. Right. And, and then I remember actually reading this, one of the very first Amma books that I ever read when I first was like, is this my guru? What's a guru? That's kind of scary. I don't know if I believe in gurus, 
like when I first met her, but I just bought this one little book. And I remember the thing that really struck me, which feels very Uranus and Taurus, is I remember opening up this, it's just like a tiny book, but there was one page that just had her teachings on it. And one page was like all about cooking your own food. She was saying like, look, the energy, like if somebody cooks your food and they're in a bad mood or they're thinking about something negative or, you know, they're not being paid well, think about like the energy, like they're getting paid something shitty and then they're cooking your food, they're unhappy. So you're taking that karma on and you're taking that energy on and putting that into your body. Food is alchemical. Absolutely. And that really struck me. And then I tried to dismiss it because I'm like, I eat out in New York every day. I cannot think about what's going into my food. And then I would just try to bless it and change the energy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do when I go out is usually I'm just like, okay, either I'll find restaurants that have been around for a really long time that I kind of know the people that work yeah, there. Yeah. They do. And yeah. So, that's so important. And that's super important. Or, you know, I'll just sort of thank the food if I don't know. And I'll be like, well, thank you. You know, thank you for, <laughs> you can bless it and change the alchemy that way too. It's yeah, absolutely. But I love, yeah, I love that you do all that and it's inspired me to do more. I mean, you more of a cook than I am. I got to get more. I love that I haven't gotten to the desserts yet. That's my next thing. Like <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> I'm so boring. I'm like, let me just think of different spices I could put on my broccoli. I have a freezer filled with olive oil cake because I made like four of them. <laughs> I love that. That's so Taurus. That's so Venus. I love it. I love the olive cake and the orange cakes and all of that. That, that feels very Italian to me. And they just did that. Did you post the thing about this, the um, healthiest countries? I think you did. Yes. I yes, love I that. Spain is the number one. I love that. But I feel like, yeah, it's like Spain and Italy, like countries that really ritualize their food and have long meals. I, I think this was in there too. Like, so, yeah. but that's one of the things that I, I remember, I was actually just thinking about this. So it's funny that you just brought this up. I was thinking about how years ago, it must've been 2001, I went to um, Toulouse and then also to Paris. And I remember when I came back to the US, you know, like everything just felt gray. And I was like, it's so fast. Like they don't, I was like, we don't do things right here. And I, you know, I was young, I was like 21 years old and I'm, I'm there and I'm like, oh my God, this is like changed my world because I was working over 40 hours a week, you know, with like a half an hour, hour lunch break where I would try to shove something in my mouth and then go home and try to make art to become an artist. And I was like, where is this life? Like, where is, and you know, they were taking, you know, like two hour long, you know, like the siest and, and, you know, just sort of going for walks after, after work or riding their bikes around. And I was like, you know, we're not doing it right here. Like oh it's so ritualized, you know, like it's just little things like taking a walk or riding your bike, but ritual. The siesta. Yeah. I thought about it. The country with the siesta is the most healthy country. Yes. Yeah. The key, the sleep, the siesta. I love that. And um, yeah, no, but it's, it's the, it's the like, remembering not to just work, work, work. The fact that they're not just stressing themselves out, that they know. One of the things in Ayurveda that's so powerful that I, that really had an impact on me when I took my first class with uh, Robert Svoboda is he said that one of the problems with 
the way we live is that we don't take regular pauses. Like we should be pausing like on the hour and breaking. And, you know, we've talked about this with Pomodoro and stuff where you, you work 20 minutes break, um, or 25, whatever it is. And, um, the pausing, like the actual, like resetting, like we don't reset, we just push, 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 and then burn out. And the fact that that's a country where they, every day, they make sure like the stress level never gets too high because there's always a siesta involved. It's like, you have a really long lunch and then you sleep. Right. That makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Cause I'm <laughs> tired after you eat. So like, of course you're going to take this rest. Like instead of like drink more coffee and like force yourself back into like productivity. Right. And I mean, I've noticed too, I like, I mean, I think part of it was like the moon and all that stuff, but I was like not sleeping. I think you were not sleeping too, but I was just like, oh my God, it's 6am. Please let me go to sleep. I am crazy. Um, oh yeah. That was, a, when was that? that was that crazy. Um, yeah. And then I had another one last night, but what I did is I just went into the kitchen and I was like, okay, if I drink this tea right now, I'm going to be able to go to sleep right after. And I know and I was like, okay, this is like my ritual now for trying to get to bed. Is like I know that I have to drink this and yeah, you know, but yeah, that's great. <laughs> yes, the tea is real. The tea is a ritual. I know we need rituals, even like for sleep and preparing for dreams. And mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, that's something I really um, I love about like since you and I first met, like the work we do together. It's always been about ritualizing everything, like. All the stuff we did when we did consolation, we did it ritualistically. Yep. And we tried to like present all, everything we presented was always with the intent of how it can be healing and how people could use it as ritual. Yes. Even like the fortune cookie, it was like, play this song, here's the lyrics, like, you know, for yep. each sign or whatever. Like we'd always try to like infuse it with beauty and inspiration and right. stories that would be inspiring. And yeah. And and then like we would do the full and new moon circles together and we would always do the rituals that way and our tarot classes. So we've been doing so many. And then now we do project 40s. I know. <laughs> it's going to be amazing because it's like incorporating all of the older like knowledge that we have and, you know, used to do and then bringing it into this, you know, fresh new area of, you know, like as, as yeah. us doing retreats and, um, and also just, you know, I think that people have to remember is like the moment that you're sort of sub- submitting yourself to this beauty, like you've automatically shifted a frequency. Yeah, absolutely. And when you go into ritual space, like the beautiful thing about retreat settings is that you're entering a magical space. Yes. Like it's out of mundane time and space and something when you set an intention for that container, that magical Tomenos, that magical space, that's where the real magic can happen because you're out of your life. You're out of whatever you would, your consciousness would associate with whatever keeps us stuck in those patterns because you're suddenly entering into mythic space. Right. Just by virtue, it's travel does that anyway. But then if you're on an actual retreat that already has a container and a intention and a setting and an archetype that we're invoking in this case, Venus, that, by virtue of entering that mythic space, you're, you're moving into like what we would say in astrology, like you're moving into the 12th house or the archetypal space or the numinous space. Right. I think why I love doing retreats so much, you know? Right. And I, so, I, in that space. I mean, even like in the mundane world, like, you know, like 
anyone that has like a nine to five or anything like that, after you do a retreat, you know, you can and have your tea at your desk and, you know, you get down to the last couple sips and you open up that tea bag and you, you know, just like swirl it around three times and you can automatically ritualize that space. Like, and just be like, oh, well, I'm going to take this five minutes to like see, you know, what I need to learn from this moment. And yeah, thing that I love about, you know, like these retreats is like these things that you learn, you can kind of start to incorporate them in everyday life and like, oh, in like you said. as those mini breaks. That's right. Or like the cooking, like when you cook your food or when you put your makeup on or when you, um, I mean, even getting dressed, like we're going to be doing, I'm so happy because, you know, you've taught in all of the P40s and P7s about like, we've done a lot of self-portraiture work. So I think one of the really exciting things is to be able to do this photo shoot, like after like the kind of Venus makeover work and, um, you know, bringing that energy to life in a beautiful setting and then having the way you're so great at capturing people's beauty. It's going to be really incredible. Yeah. And I have a beautiful new camera. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lens on it, but there it is. Oh, that's cool. That's great. I know it's going to be really, that's, I mean, that setting with all of that tile and sunsets on the roof is going to be incredible. I'm thinking of actually uh, bringing some of my vintage cameras too. Oh so my God! Yes, film um, to work with as well because I'm I'm very interested in how you know older film. I mean, film from like I think some of the film that I have is from the '60s. Wow, so very expired, and you know, there's going to be crazy you know flares and things like that in it. But yeah, that's so cool. See that aspect of it. Um, but with like the self-portraits and with photography itself, you know, like it taught me so much. I mean, I remember when I started, God, what was it, 2007, 2008, I think when I started with that. Yeah. And I like, I just need to understand myself. I was like, I need to understand mm. what I'm going through and who I am, but I need to look at it. Like I need to look at my face. Mm. And I, you know, I could study that picture. I mean, I did mirror work too, but there was something about me and a camera where I could also delete whatever I didn't like. Um. <laughs> yeah, but you're such a good, I mean, Caitlin, you really represent like the, the journey or the transformation of like, I've watched you as your friend, like become, it's almost like you project an image that's very archetypal, almost like you project an image onto yourself and then grow into it or something. Like, so it's like the images exist first and then through your art, like you embody, like, like I mean, especially this Venus. It's so funny, you really became Venus. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, it's like the Empress, you incarnated the Empress, it's such a good example. But, you know, you've done it with like whoever these characters are, like with Medusa, because you've got algal on your son, like, you know right. what I mean? Like, but through your art, it's been really cool to watch. It's kind of Frida-esque that way, like how you become the art itself through the archetype. I don't even know. If, it's hard to articulate exactly. Right. It's the archetype and the emotion. And, yeah. you know, I think I always call it shape-shifting a little bit because yeah. I feel like I'm like a shape-shifter. It's always me, but I'm like yeah. in these other forms. But I do feel like it allows me to sort of play with things and 
to sort of step outside of myself. Wait, I have to look at your chart for a second because I want to see where <laughs> Neptune is. I'm like, I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, wait, I have to see where your Neptune, because for some and reason, I feel like I have, I know, your chart is so mysterious. Remember, we could never find it and it always disappears. Yes. And also I can never remember it. And I've studied it over and over again. And every time someone asks me something, I'm like, Okay. Well, first of all, Caitlin, <laughs> you have Lilith on your ascendant in Leo that we can't forget. Um, so that is like a major thing. But then why Neptune is so like hidden because it's like, that seems like an obvious thing that I always forget about. And Neptune, okay, your Neptune is in the fourth house. That's why it's, it is kind of hidden. But what is it doing with your chart? With Mercury? I'm trying to figure out where the shape-shifting thing comes from. I mean, I guess we could say it's in a trine. It's a, it's a kind of a, a loose trine, but it is in a fire. It's in a bit of a fire trine with um, your ascendant. And yeah, with Venus, I mean, it's a little bit weak It's because they're later, like um, the ascendant in Leo and your Venus are later degrees uh, in the fire signs, but it's almost there. It's like, it's a, it's, it wants, it feels like it wants to be part of that fire trine, like a grand fire trine. Right. I do feel like it's trying to be part of that. Um, but I feel like there's some mysterious, this is a Mercury retrograde station in Pisces, me trying to decode everything today. <laughs> like, I am going to figure out what is going on with Caitlin's Neptune. I always feel like it's like the lack of water in my chart that makes me like want to be in water and want to shape shift and be like a fish or a scorpion, you know, sort of like hiding in the corners and like. Yes, and why you have watery friends. <laughs> Wait, I'm like, I'm all fire and Scorpios. Like, I need, I need water to. <laughs> well, Scorpio is your fourth house and um, you do have, Nep I mean, you have, sorry, not you have Uranus and Scorpio. Uranus. That's where my planets are, sitting on near Uranus. See, we're five. Yep. It keeps me young. <laughs> Venus. My Venus is right there. That's why we're so funny together. Well, that's why we like to always innovate together, I think. Yes. Yeah, we always come up with, like, ideas and partner. And then... I mean, yeah, your Taurus planets are on my Saturn and you have, let's see, let me just look at something. Sorry, I don't know why this is becoming an astrology reading, but <laughs> in Aquarius, what can I say? Um, <laughs> it all goes into Aquarius and it just gets weird. You know, it's like, <laughs> and then it's just like all over the place and Mercury's all in wavy gravy. <laughs> Totally, in retrograde, Mercury is about to go retrograde any second. Oh, that, oh my God, you're like in double cancer. I didn't even realize. I was just, I realized I hadn't looked at your progress chart in a while. No wonder you're cooking up a storm <laughs> and you're like a homebody because you have like sun and moon in your progress sun's three years into cancer and your progress moon's in cancer. Oh, there we go. So you're like double cancer right now. Wow. That's really cool. That's so interesting. So you are in water. That's why you've been craving water more. Yeah. You're, you're in a water, you're in the water phase of your progress. Yes. So I live by the lake. I go swimming every day. I have to be in water constantly. Oh my God. Did you there three years ago to Chicago? Yes. 
Oh my God. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, it's good that you did because your home became much more important three years ago. Yes, yes. I remember that too. Yeah, that I remember. But yeah, I didn't realize. So you're, let's see, you're um, 14 months into your cancer moon cycle. So you're about halfway through. Nice. Yeah. And you're going to Leo. So it's, yeah, you're still kind of in like an incubation, but it's a good, yeah, it's, it's a very creative, watery time. Um, what's I like it. What's your ascendant? Know. It's funny that you're all Cancer and I'm all Capricorn right now. <laughs> We're like opposites. So weird being Capricorn-y. Um, <laughs> wait, because my progressed planets are all in Capricorn. Oh, your ascendant is Virgo right now. Okay. That makes sense. So you're still working a lot. That's why you're working so much. You're almost out of that too. Yeah, no, it's it's been nonstop. <laughs> one of the things that I do to sort of take a break from working all the time is to actually do the the photo work and the self-portraits and the photography because it really allows me to kind of like shape shift and change my mindset and go back into whatever I was doing with like fresh eyes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is good. I like that you take the break. So you're doing exactly what the Ayurvedic teaching is saying, like to break and reset and everything. So right. so great. Oh, I guess before we stop, we should talk about the three, three, did we talk about the three, three, three quarter? Yeah about three 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 triple three so triple yeah we did like so triple empress mm -hmm. and the divine feminine vibration um and what else could we say about empress since like if we think about empress three times well empress three times i mean it's always something that you're cooking up you know like it's like whatever is incubating you know whatever is like sort of like growing within you like these projects or these ideas or how you want to kind of like shift things um yeah. you know also the empress is about like the growth that's happening i mean the spring is coming you know all of these seeds are you know and all of these plants are like beneath the ground right now kind of pushing their way up so the empress is all about like that motion that's coming and then like being able to kind of be in that harvest like yeah you know, that's that's coming up after that and you know so it's all about sort of like stepping into the sacred feminine and creativity and just really thinking outside the box too just sort of being like okay like what what have I thought that I couldn't have had or you know for me like the empress too is just like okay you know what are these things that I sort of put limitations on you know, because after her, the emperor comes. And so it's like, you know, you have like the master of your own kingdom. So what is she pushing out that is going to kind of break through that to get into that emperor, you know, territory, master of your own kingdom. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because I mean, pregnant, she's going to push out a child. Like, you know, like, and that is like a great, you know, symbol for that. It's like, what do we think that we can't do? You know, if you think about childbirth, like <laughs> there is a, big human coming out of a very small area. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, how do you, what's that force? Like, what is that power that you tap into when you think like you can't possibly, there's some right. energy of, that goes on in the creative process where you think you can't do it or you wanna quit or give up where you have to finally, it's like give it that last, it's usually like that last push. Absolutely. And like you said, like even in the darkest of winter or like, 
you know, we're hitting that phase of like, it's like spring is so close, but to get to Taurus, I mean, we still have a couple moon cycles before we get to Taurus. Although Mars is in Taurus and Uranus is about to go in Taurus. So I think we're feeling the preview of the Taurus energy and of course the 333 portal. Um, but it just feels like there's this really exciting creative possibility or potential right now that we should all tap into. I feel it like, a, like, a, like all these new ideas already, even though it's not officially spring yet, it kind of feels like an early spring. It does. And it's so funny. It was like snowing here last night and I was like, <laughs> weird, it's snowing, but I feel like spring is coming really, really soon. Yeah. It feels like an early spring, I guess, because archetypally or energetically, it's actually spring is here somehow. It, it feels like that. It really feels like that. Maybe because Chiron went into Aries too, which is like the sign of spring with the equinox. Right. In that since I feel like spring started February 18th, <laughs> even though it's freezing and raining here too. It's not like it really looks like spring, but, but I bought daffodils and that made me happy. That feels like spring yeah. to me all the time. Yeah. And I all these like, you know, orange and yellow flowers. And I was like, yeah, like I'm just going to buy these and I'm just going to, you yeah. know, spring energy because I love that something to look forward to absolutely I know I'm so excited so well and when we go to Marrakesh and um it will be like the height of spring it'll be my favorite time of year like mid-April right I love that energy it'll be warm and it's perfect time for blooming you know yeah. you have like we're in the seed stage where we're sort of like pushing out, you know, like starting to get up and it's still dark, you know, it's still cold. So like we know that we can't kind of stick our head out yet, but yeah. then by the time the retreat comes, it's like, okay, like you're like this seedling and you're sprouting these leaves and you're kind of like coming out there and you're like, okay, like I'm ready. And yeah. then the sun hits you and you see all these colors and all of these designs and you're in this beautiful space doing all these rituals and you can just bloom. I love that. Oh, good. I needed, I needed that inspiration on this cold, uh, rainy night. <laughs> it's perfect. So I'm so glad I got to talk because so many people are asking me um, if we would do like a talk about um, this because of this new moon. Everyone's like, what's going on with the new moon and Uranus going into Taurus? I was like, well, we got to talk to the Taurus about Taurus things. <laughs> And then I really wanted to talk to you because I was so inspired by your, I loved your blog post today. So I was like, okay, this is the perfect time. And also we had to have the talk before the portal. That was the biggest thing. Yes. Or the 333 portal. I'm so excited for it tomorrow. I know, me too. So we'll have to see what's on the other side. Yes. Very exciting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us in Marrakesh or at a retreat soon. We always do stuff, but this one's really special because it's Venusy. Um, but, or, you know, join us on one of our crazy adventures <laughs> in the future. And, um, you can find Caitlin's work at CaitlinFoisty.com, right? Yes. Okay. I was like, that's still your website, right? <laughs> we'll put the link. Anyway, we'll put the link. That's what we do. All right. So thanks everyone. Bye.